Well, good morning. morning. We have had an amazing morning of worship so far, haven't we? You sang the words earlier, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. How many of us believe that this morning? The amazing thing is, that's right. The amazing thing is we've been studying this life of Joseph and how resilient he's been in his faith over the last five weeks. We wrap this series up today week six, and I believe we have seen him be someone with incredible resilient faith throughout every twist and turn of his journey. And so this morning, we're gonna wrap that up, and I am very excited. This is one of the most, uh, this passage is, I've, I've been more excited about preparing and teaching this than I have something in a long time, and I am expectant for the ways that God's gonna open our heart today to his word. And I believe that God's gonna do something, something special in this place. So glad you guys are here. If you're with us online or in the room, I invite you to open your Bible to Genesis chapter 50 as we look at the end of Joseph's life. But before we do that, I wanna tell you guys a story. About 11 months ago, I think, yeah, 11 months ago, I was visiting my family. And when I was there, my dad ends up coming over and his workshop is next door to my grandmother's house out in the country. And he just kind of nonchalantly dropped this information. Yeah, I had a stray dog come up on the property about three or four days ago. And I'm like, oh really, that's so awesome. And then he says, and then it had 10 puppies the next day. 10 puppies? Yeah, it had 10 puppies. I'm like, well, can I go see him? He's like, yeah. So I jump on the golf cart, we ride over to the property and I come upon this adorable scene, okay? 10 little puppies that you can't tell from it. Like they are like this big, eyes not open yet, little ear flaps. And I immediately just fell in love with this litter of puppies. And I got really invested. I'm like, what are we gonna do with them? Are we gonna make sure they get taken care of? Are we gonna make sure the mama dog stays healthy and keeps taking care of them? And so I noticed that over the next few weeks, I came home a couple extra times, see my family in Florence, and I would text or call my dad, and I'd be like, how are the puppies? Have you found anybody that maybe wanna take any of them? And we were trying to figure out what to do because we wanted them to have a good life. And somewhere along the way, maybe visit two or three, I'm not sure, I decided to myself, I'm getting one of those adorable puppies, okay? I'm getting one. Now, when I decided this, I had several people that I won't mention by name in the service who actually said to me, like, are you sure you could take on another dog? Like, you have a 14-year-old Cocker Spaniel, and she's kind of not doing great at the end. Do you want to really bring a puppy in the house? And after some consideration, I knew it would be a lot of work. After some consideration and a couple more visits home, I decided, I'm getting two of those adorable puppies, okay? <laughs> they are so cute. So that's what I did. This is Rose and Lily. And this is when I brought them home in December and they were seven pounds of just absolute adorableness. And people were like, you're not gonna be able to handle two puppies in the house. And I'm like, I'll be totally fine. Let's fast forward to about a month ago. And I find myself in situations now that they've gotten a lot larger because this is what I'm dealing with on a daily basis, okay? We didn't know what dog breed that they were at the time. We did the DNA test and they are going to be over 100 pounds each, I was told. So prayers for me in that, but we have the best time. But what I found out that I have found myself in situations and circumstances that I didn't quite anticipate when I was like, the two puppies, how cute. This, uh, about a month ago, I was on, on this trail and I mean like backwoods trail and I was with a friend of mine and we were walking the dogs and it got difficult. The path got really difficult because we hit a section of this long mud puddles and I have Chacos on and I'm sliding and I think I'm walking the dogs but the dogs are walking me. If anybody has a large dog, you know what I'm talking about. And as I struggled through this part of the path, she just happened to turn around and film 
what was happening and she, by chance, got this on camera. Check this out. And let's watch it again slow. Oh, hey, yeah. Okay, my friend laughs for about three minutes and then says, are you okay? So I made it. I was completely okay. But here's the thing. When I'm in situations like this, because there have been a few more when I've been wrapped up in the leash at Saluda Shoals Park and someone walks by me and I'm like, I hope you're having a better day than I am. Here's what I have found out. That when I choose to go back and remember why I got them in the first place, it gives me a lot of perspective about being able to go forward. And I get on my phone, and I look through, and I look through all the little cute pictures, and I remember what it's like to go and find them, and I remember what it's like to think, oh, I wanna make sure they get a good home. And I believe when we choose to remember and get some perspective and go back, it really helps us look at the big picture, and I've found resilience happens when we choose to do that. Oftentimes in life, we find ourselves at a place in our own path or our own journey where things get difficult, where things get messy. And unless we take the time to remember why we do what we do, where we're going, then it is really hard to wanna lose perspective and it's really easy to want to give up. To live a life of faith is about knowing where you've come from and it's also about knowing where you're going. Eugene Peterson says it like this when he describes faith, a life of faith. It says, a long obedience in the same direction. I love that. A long obedience in the same direction. You see, we've been looking at the life of Joseph. In Genesis, Genesis 37 through 50, we've been in 14 chapters of Joseph's life. And if anybody has been resilient, he is someone in the Bible who's been resilient. His path has been very long, but he's been obedient through every twist, through every turn, he's been obedient. He was a dreamer that God gave a dream to. He was thrown in a pit. He stayed obedient. He got put into Potiphar's house, then he got taken out of Potiphar's house. If you've missed all the other weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen and read through the scriptures about this story, because it's incredible. He gets put into prison, and he gets put in the palace, and at the end, of his story that we talked about last week as we seem to wrap the story up really, is that we see his family is reconciled to him. Everyone is happy and fed and full, living in the land of Egypt. And some of you may think, what are we gonna talk about today? Because that seemed like we put a bow on the story, right? Everything seemed like that's what happened. They were safe, they were saved. That was the climax. What are we gonna talk about today? Friends, we have five verses left in the story of Joseph. And not just five verses, it's actually the last five verses in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. Pastor Jeff says in sermon prep this past week that he had to teach eight chapters in his sermon last week. Today we get five verses, but I believe it's an incredible five verses as we look and see that Joseph still has something else to teach us about being resilient even at the end of his life. Let's look at it together. Uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse 22 and 23, let's look at this. It says, Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all of his father's family. He lived 110 years 
And he saw the third generation of Ephraim's children, also the children of Makur, son of Manasseh. They were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. I love this picture. I love this picture. He lived to be 110 years old. He became a grandpa. Then he became a great grandpa. And y'all know I love grandparents. I can't get through a message without talking about one of my grandparents. I love this picture of Joseph. He's, he has his family all around him. And I love the picture that he's got the babies sitting on his knees. How many of you know what that's like to sit on your grandparents' lap? This is such a dream for Joseph. What a sweet time after such a difficult, long path. But Joseph's not done yet. He's not done. And he's got one more dream. And instead of just checking out, instead of just relaxing like he could have done, he could have just hung out with the grandkids, retired, bought an RV, and camped along the Nile River the rest of his life. He chose instead to gather his family around because he knew something needed to be done. And this is what he says in verse 24. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land that he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You see, Joseph has lived his life with a trust and with a confidence in this God that has led him every step, every twist, every turn, he has stayed obedient on that path. And he knew God's not done yet. And this is his moment to testify. In a moment where, like I said, he could have just checked out and done whatever. He gathers his family around, brothers around. I got something really important to tell you. I need to tell you about how God's been faithful in my life. But we need to remember what God has done, and that's now how I know I can trust him. You see, he was a great grandfather, like I said. He was a great grandfather at the time, but what he did was he chose to look back. He chose to look back and remember because resilient faith looks back. Not to live in the past, but to remember and gain perspective about what God wants to do in the present and in the future. He remembered that there was a promise to his great-grandfather that went down to his grandfather, Abraham, to Isaac, that went to his father, Jacob, and passed on to them and their family. And so this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a God that Joseph knows that he can fully trust. It actually says this in Genesis 12, back earlier when the promise was originally made to Abraham. It says this, the Lord has said to Abram, go from your country your, your people and your father's household into a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, Joseph remembers the promises of God. And he puts all of his faith, all of his trust and confidence in God. You see, the word faith, we use it a lot. And you can have faith in lots of, lots of things. But really, the, the actual just word just means this. It's a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. A complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And what we see from Joseph's life is that he has chosen to rest his entire life on having faith in God. And Joseph chooses to remember and look back on his life. 
This past week, I took some time to remember, and I know y'all are thinking, why do I have two Bibles out here if we're only gonna be covering five verses today? But I took some time to remember a little bit of my own story and my own journey about how faith has been important and has been passed down. And I remembered that this Bible I pulled out is a Bible that my granny gave to me. So my, I haven't talked about her before, probably in a message. She's a wonderful woman of faith. I love her dearly. And she's my dad's mom. But on the cover, it says Annie Ruth Ward, okay? So she gave me this Bible, but I'd never really thought about this before. And the cover of it, it actually says, presented by Mike and Janice on Christmas Day of 1989 to my grandmother from my parents. So they gave this Bible to her, put her name on it. And somewhere in the mid to late 90s, she ends up giving this Bible to me when I was in high school. And she wrote the verse in it, Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. You see, I had people around me in my story that said, this is important. We want you to have some guidance in life. We don't want you just to get on whatever path and live however you want. We know that God's word is important. So this Bible was given to me. This was the Bible when I became a Christian that I used to study and to read and take notes. And I've actually left all those papers and notes in there because it's a great thing for me to remember. Fast forward a few years later, and there's this Bible. Now this Bible, my granny also gave to me and in the cover of this, it says it was given to me on Christmas in 2004 with love from my granny and papa. And this Bible was given to me while I was in Bible college, while I was studying God's word because I wanted to be able to teach the Bible. That's the degree I was getting. And I remember the, the reason I wanted to use this Bible this morning is because for finish one of my classes, I had to do student teaching up in North Carolina and I had to teach through, guess what? The book of Genesis. And I thought this morning, even though I haven't used this Bible to teach in a while, because I used it mainly in college and early 20s, I thought, I want to teach out of this Bible. You know why? Because it helps me remember. It helps remember the people in my life that have passed things down to me and have been intentional with me. How often do you take the time to look back and remember your own story? How often do you take the time to look back and see the different ways that God has been at work in your story and in your journey and just become thankful for the ways that God has led you? And what I don't want to do is to assume that everyone in here has a story like that because I know that there are people who when they look back on their life, they feel pain, they feel shame. And maybe you're in a situation where you don't have a family to look back on to see how the faith has been passed down to you. And I want that to be a discouragement for anybody because I want to invite everyone in to know that you can walk this path of faith and God can begin something new that begins with you that maybe two or three generations down the road, somebody can look back and see the ways that you've planted seeds of faith in their own life and in their own story. Joseph chose to remember. He looked back. And he's seen who God has been in the past, and he trusts who God is going to be in the future. So then he's got his family gathered around. This is what he says in verse 25 of chapter 50, if, you, if you're following along. It says, and Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. Don't miss this. And then you must carry my bones up from this place. 
He says, when God comes to deliver you, because he surely will, because he made this promise, you must carry my bones up from this place because I don't belong here. We don't belong here. There's been a promise that we're gonna be in the promised land. We don't need to be living in a foreign land. And one day God is gonna come and he's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. Because resilient faith looks forward. Resilient faith doesn't just look back at the past and remember that. It gives perspective for what's next, but resilient faith looks forward. Joseph was able to look ahead past when his life was gonna get, was going to end. You see, it would have been easy. Let's put ourselves in Joseph's situation. It would have been easy for Joseph to look around and just settle right into Egypt. Settle right in. You know, God has promised. God's promised this land to my family, but we got a good situation going on here. I mean, we're taken care of. I have a lot of power. Why would I want to send them back somewhere where they're going to be facing lots of battles? Why would I ever want that in the future? Maybe we should just settle in to Egypt and just take this life each day at a time and just let it be what it is. Besides, hasn't Canaan been a place of bad memories for my family? Full of dysfunction, full of difficult years. But that's not what Joseph did. Joseph says, when you go out of this land, because you will one day, carry my bones with you. And I've said this before, and I think it's important to say again, sometimes God wants to take you back to an old place in order to do a new thing. Sometimes God wants to take you to an old place in order to do a new thing. It would have been easy for him to say, oh, Canaan's got a lot of bad stuff. I know that's the land God promised, but we're not going back there. Instead, Joseph knew as a part of the promise that God is a God who is faithful. God is a God who restores all things. So maybe for you, what that looks like is being willing to look and revisit some old places, some old stories, some old relationships, and trust and believe that in some way, shape, or form, maybe God's wanting to do something new with something old for his glory to bring restoration it would have been easy at this point in his life. Let's be honest. He's got the babies bouncing on his knees. Everything is great. Everyone's together in Egypt. It would have been easy to forget the promises of God, but he held on to what he knew about God. And because he looked back, it gave him the faith to look forward because resilient faith looks forward. He knew he wasn't gonna be in Egypt forever. You see, when it comes to faith, I think sometimes as, as the church, we, we don't quite have the perspective or the way we pass on faith can be a bit confusing because here's, here's the thing about faith. Faith has to do with who or what you're putting your confidence in, not necessarily that you have faith or how much faith you have. Jesus says a mustard seed. It has to do with who or what you're putting your confidence in. So when I was Let's see, probably 17, I went on my first ski trip. We got any skiers in the room? Whoa, wow. The mountains is only, only two hours away, y'all. We can, we can do some, some winter sports. All right, any snowboarders? All right, wow, nobody. Okay, well, I, I did it for like a really small stint. When I was in high school, I went on a ski trip with my youth group. I was probably 17 at the time, and when I went on the trip, they were like, oh, it's gonna be easy. They handed me two poles and two skis, and I thought to myself, this is not gonna work. I am way too uncoordinated for this. But I said, I'll give it a try. 
literally one hour into my training on the bunny slope and trying to work it out, I snapped one of the poles in half, okay? And I thought, yeah, this isn't gonna work for me. So I took all the stuff and I turned it back in and I said, give me one of those, just the board, the one thing, strap me in. If I drop anything, I'm just flipping down the mountain and I don't come out of it. That seems like a way better situation for me. So I, I did, I did decent with it. So I got into snowboarding. Well, about eight or nine years ago, I went on a, uh, a, a snowboarding trip with a few friends of mine for a birthday trip. And so we got there and I was going to get onto the ski lift. Now, if you've snowboarded before, it's, a, it's rather difficult. This is the part that's hard. You're like sliding into place, you know? And as I was trying to slide to get on the ski lift, the, uh, the lifts, the seats were coming around rather fast. And I was thinking to myself, hopefully they're gonna like slow it down for me. And I get there, I don't quite get there in time, but just enough time for it to hit me from the side, knock me on my stomach, but the lift keeps going. And so I end up just grabbing onto the seat as it carries me up, 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 up. And I see the guy running to me and back to the red button and to me and back to the red button. I'm thinking, he's not gonna hit the red button. This is not a good situation. Until I was about 20 to 25 feet in the air, hanging on the last bar, screaming at the top of my lungs. That's the situation I got left in. Now, at this point, I had a couple friends that were behind me in the ski lift, and I had uh, the guys that were underneath me pulling out a safety net, running around. There were lots of yelling. There were lots of turmoil. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to get out of this situation? This is, like, not easy. So I remember looking down at the guy that was the safety guy, and I just yelled these words, reverse, reverse. And I heard the fateful words back, no reverse. Oh, no. So I'm still like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm barely hanging on. My friends are yelling something. I can't hear. There's commotion below. I see a net. I don't know what's going on with it. And all of a sudden, I hear them say, let go. We got you. I thought, okay, great. I don't have an option. So what I did was I let go, and I hit the ground at full speed with no safety net breaking the fall at all. And I'm just going to tell you, I didn't get injured. It knocked the breath out of me and all the safety squad people came around, but I ended up being fine. I've never snowboarded again, but I ended up being, being fine. Sometimes in life, I feel like that's how we try to describe faith as blind faith. And that's not what we're saying. You see, there was clear evidence that it was not, it's safe to fall, we got you. It was very clear evidence of that. My friends later told me when they got off the lift that they actually were saying, don't let go, don't let go, because they could see the safety net was only held on three corners, and the other guy was just panicking, not holding his side, so there was no, there was no tightness in the safety net. They all missed the class on that, I guess, that day. That's what the management told me. Anyway, anyways, it was a panic moment, and I had faith, I had trust, I had confidence, I let go, and it let me down. And I think oftentimes we get really disappointed in life, especially a lot of people who have grown up in the church around faith, and you've, you've been handed this, this faith, and you've been trying to learn and, and understand, but really at the end of the day, you're just frustrated and you're disappointed because you're like, I trusted God and it didn't work out for me. What I wanna encourage us all to do is we need to learn to listen we need to learn to look around. We need to learn to hear the stories of how God's been faithful in the past and the present. We need to, to research. We need to learn more about what it means and how God has been at work through all of history because God is a God who can be vouched for. God is a God who can be fully trusted. And when you put your faith and confidence in him, he won't let you down. 
he won't let you down. But too often we put our faith and confidence in things that do let us down. Joseph says, carry my bones up from this place because I know the day is coming. Because his faith was in a God that always comes through. How many of you know that to be true? We serve a God who always comes through. Verse 26, it's the last verse in the story in Genesis, the last verse in this book of the Bible. It says this, so Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Now think about this. This entire story ends with Joseph being placed in a coffin in Egypt. After 14 chapters of this story that had all these twists and all these turns, it seems like we would have gotten the Hallmark ending three or four verses earlier, right? The family was reconciled and the grandbabies and the great grandpa scene bouncing on the knees. That's the kind of story we probably wanted to end the life of Joseph today. But that's not the story that it ends with because Joseph had that dream that when he was placed in that coffin, he was not be there forever. He would not be there forever. You see, Joseph, as we see from the last verse, he was actually honored by the Egyptians and he was actually embalmed like the Egyptians. So he became a mummy. Isn't that like really weird to think about? Joseph was mummified and he was placed in a, a wooden box at the time, but it would have been pretty fancy. And he went to live amongst the Israelites. They did not bury him with the Egyptians in that way. He lived where the, the Israelite family would have lived. And he lived there, or he was placed there. His body was placed there, ready to be lifted up and carried out when the day came, whenever that day was gonna come. Joseph left something behind. Resilient faith leaves a legacy. I want us to remember that. Resilient faith leaves a legacy. Joseph left behind only a casket. It's a casket to us, but it actually represented so much more than that. This casket represented so much more than that. On August the 28th of this year, it's been a really hard year for lots of people, on August 28th of this year, Chadwick Bozeman um, passed away. The world got the news and people, people were shocked that Chadwick Bozeman had died. He had died after a four-year battle with cancer. And this is the actor that plays uh, Black Panther, which was a superhero movie. If you follow any of the superhero movies and the Marvel movies, it was a really, really big deal. And he passed away and it sent shockwaves throughout the world, really, because only a handful of people even knew that he was battling this cancer. And all the while, he's being strong and being this hero for so many people. You see, Black Panther was a big deal because of what he represented. It was truly the first mainstream Marvel Universe black superhero that really celebrated and honored the African culture to the extent that it did. It was a huge hit. The whole world knew who Black Panther was, it seemed. And when Black Panther came on the scene, it stood for something significant in the black community because all of a sudden, little black boys and little black girls had a hero, had a superhero that was on the big screen, that had action figures. They had a hero that looked like them. A lot of us 
had a lot of heroes growing up that looked like us. Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Captain America, Wonder Woman. Can't forget about the girls. Black Panther represented a new hope for a new generation and his death sent shockwaves through the world. And I began to hear all these stories I and mean, all these articles that came out about, about Chadwick Boseman and why of a big deal it was. He was from South Carolina, which also made it hit home for a lot of people. There was a story that he visited. He would often go and visit the children's hospital where there were children that were dying of the same disease that he was battling. And he stepped into those places, he stepped into those hospital rooms, and he was the hero that they needed in those moments. All the while, he had to be thinking about his own life and where he was headed. And I thought to myself, that's resilience. At a time where he could have just stopped and given up and said, I can't be involved, I can't be that character, I've gotta deal with this, he chose to be hope for people. And there's this picture that someone posted that I think is so powerful. This little boy, Black Panther in the middle, all the other superheroes around as he honors his Black Panther action figure. And it says this, what it looks like to leave a legacy to the next generation. This is what it looks like to leave a legacy to the next generation. You see, Chadwick Boseman, he represented hope. He wasn't just a superhero. He actually represented hope. Joseph left behind in Egypt a casket full of bones, but this casket didn't represent death. It actually represented hope to God's people. It actually represented faith. It actually represented the promise that they're not gonna be in Egypt forever. And over the generations following Joseph, that's the hope that these people needed to hold on to. You see, because all the while when they were battling what went on in Egypt over the years, there was Joseph's bones as a reminder of what God was gonna do. The family that he left behind was 70 at the time. Over several hundred years, they grew to be almost three million people, the great people that God had promised they were gonna be, but they were in a foreign land. And they were holding on to the promise that they had been told for generations and generations from this guy, Joseph, and this promise of his great-grandfather that God had a land for them. And all the while, as the story's being passed down, there sat Joseph's bones. In the several hundred years between when Joseph dies at the end of Genesis and the beginning of what happens in Exodus, it says in Exodus 1-7 that a new king rose in Egypt and this Pharaoh didn't know who Joseph was. They forgot who Joseph and his family was. So instead of being this people who were honored, now we know the story, they were turned into the Hebrew slaves as they were called, the section that they lived in in Egypt. They were now seen as a threat. And so now this family who was honored over the years, they begin to become slaves and they begin to put to work and the Egyptians wanna get rid of them and the Pharaoh wants to kill them. And all the while there sat Joseph's bones as a symbol of hope that we're not gonna be here forever. And I'm sure someone came along the way and said, God's not coming for us. We're forgotten in this land. We're treated horribly. God's not coming for us. Go ahead and put that casket away. Bury it. Put it away. I don't want to look at it anymore. But somebody had to step up and say, oh, no, we're not burying that. 
we gotta carry those bones out. And we gotta tell the families behind us that they've gotta make sure those bones get to the promised land because Joseph believed that God was coming for us one day. And one day, a baby was born and he was put in a basket that led him to the palace and he was named Moses and he grew up in the palace and he eventually ran away and God met him in the wilderness and said to him in a burning bush, go and set my people free. And we see this man, Joseph, who has this relationship with God, who wrestles about what that's gonna mean to go and to talk to this Pharaoh. We've all heard the story. We've seen Prince of Egypt. We know it. But in the context of this, we're, we're not remembering the whole picture because I've never seen anybody talk about it like this. Joseph Bones still sat there in Egypt amongst the people of God. And when this deliverer rose up and he finally convinced the Pharaoh to let God's people go to their land, which they had been promised to let them not be slaves anymore. It actually says this in Exodus 13, 19, before they crossed the Red Sea, before they crossed the Red Sea, it says Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. And he had said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. And as they were crossing the Red Sea, somebody was carrying the bones of Joseph. And I'm sure along the way, somebody thought, this is ridiculous. This is heavy. Why are we still doing this? No, we're carrying the bones of Joseph. This is faith. This is promise. This is hope. We're going where God called us to go. And they crossed that Red Sea and they got into the wilderness. And guess what? More people doubting God, unbelief in God. Why did God bring us into the wilderness to just die? And somebody had to choose. We're going to keep carrying the bones of Joseph to the promised land. Until that day, Moses had died. Joshua had been leading the people of God. He steps over into the Jordan River, into that land. And this is what it says in Joshua 24, 32. And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a 100 pieces of silver. From the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, this became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. And it may have taken several centuries for Joseph's bones to make it from Egypt to the promised land, but Joseph believed that God was gonna do what he said he was gonna do, and the people that came behind him had to believe that God was gonna do what he said he was gonna do because Joseph's faith left a legacy. I think an incredible thing is that Joseph gets one verse in the New Testament. Are you with me? He gets one verse in the New Testament, and we think to ourselves, all right, it's Hebrews 11. It's the Hall of Faith chapter. It's the chapter that is talking all about by faith, by faith, by faith. It's all these heroes of the faith, what they did. Some of them get several sentences. Some of them get shorter ones. But we get to Joseph, and we think, what's it going to be? Surely, surely it's going to be how he kept dreaming even when he was thrown in the pit, right? That was a big deal. Well, surely it'll be how when he got sold into slavery and got put into Potiphar's house, how he ran from temptation. Maybe that's gonna be his verse, his big faith verse. Maybe it'll be that, or maybe it'll be how he handled being in prison, or maybe how he handled his power. What's the big faith moment for Joseph? 
Maybe it's gonna be how he chose to forgive that we learned about last week. He forgave forgave his brothers after all he had been through. He forgave. Surely it'll be about that. This is the one sentence, though. This is the one sentence we see, Hebrews 11, 22. It says this. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. And he even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. And that's exactly what they did. And because Joseph did that, guess what the story goes on in the rest of Hebrews 11 about how the faith story continues as people carry the faith of God and believe in God along the way. Because you see, it's not just about those who have gone before you. It's also about those who are coming behind you. It's not just about those who have gone before you. We could all sit here and tell stories of people that have have been a huge impact in our own faith journeys and our own life, and that's wonderful. We want to honor that. But we don't check out there because we also have to be concerned about the ones that are coming behind us. What did Joseph's faith do for the ones coming behind him for those hundreds of years who were waiting to be in the promised land? This casket represented more than death. It represented hope and faith. So the question today is, are you living your life in such a way that you'll leave behind a legacy of faith that will keep pointing people to God even after you're gone? Are you leaving something behind that will keep pointing people to God after you're gone? In theory, every single one of us that's listening to this would say, I wanna be remembered. I don't want to be forgotten. I want to be remembered. My question is, what are you doing now? What steps are you taking now? What practices do you have now that show that you want to be someone to leave a legacy of faith for those who are coming behind you? If we're honest and we take a look at our life, how much time do we spend on certain things? How do we use our money, our resources, our investment, how do we choose to invest in things that matter? You look at the relationships in your life, how are you investing in a way that's gonna matter even after you're gone? Decisions you're making now are affecting what that legacy will be later. How are you investing in the next generation? We have a generation that I believe that is coming up that is looking for hope in so many ways, looking for answers, and I believe a lot of times there aren't people carrying the faith like there used to be, so they're left with more confusion. They see a lot of people checking out. They see a lot of people retiring in their faith instead of carrying their faith along. How are you investing in your own family and the people that have been given to you to raise up, would they say about you that you care more about them being a great baseball player or a great singer or a great dancer? Because a lot of times I see families putting lots of resources towards those things. How are we putting resources towards raising people up in the faith of God to carry on the faith of the church? Maybe for you, what it looks like to carry faith is how you handle a devastating diagnosis in your life. Maybe at that moment where you want to stop trusting God and stop believing in God and say, why is God doing this to me? Instead, people are looking to you and you know people are looking. How is he gonna handle 
this? Is he going to keep trusting? Is he going to keep having faith that God is who he says he is no matter what happens on this side of heaven? People are looking to us with every decision that we make and how we handle things, how you choose to say no to the things that are wrong in your life, even when it'd be easy. How you choose to say yes to the things that are right, even when it's hard. That's what it looks like to leave a legacy of faith because every step matters. You know, everybody looks at a verse like that, 1122 in Hebrews. Oh man, how awesome would that be? To get put in the hall of faith chapter? That's amazing. I want that. I want to fast forward to the end. I don't want to skip all the really difficult parts of my journey and my path. And I want to be at the end and I want to be put, I want to be put at the very end and I want people to want to honor me at the end of my life. But here's the thing I know. That one verse of Joseph's life about the instructions to carry his bones to the promised land wouldn't be there if it wasn't for every other step that he took. Every step that he took, he was showing faith and trust from the pit to the palace to the promised land. Every step mattered. And for our life today, as we live our life of faith, every step matters. Our decisions matter, what we're doing and how we're investing in those that are coming behind us and how we're investing now. It matters and it will impact the future. If I'm honest today, I see a lot more people burying their faith instead of carrying it. I see a lot of people that are getting pressure from all around to just bury their faith. Different conversations I've even been in where it's like, this Jesus thing seems outdated. This, this, this Bible thing seems outdated. Why are, why are we still doing this? Why are, we, why are we trying to hold on to something that's so ancient and so old? Why don't we be done with it? Why don't, you could live your life if you just put that aside and bury that. You don't need that in your life. Be free. Look for hope inside of yourself. I've heard that a million times. You could find hope inside of yourself. So I see people burying their faith. And if you're honest, you probably know some people in your life that are doing the same. My encouragement to us today is there probably are some things we need to bury. There are probably some things that have been handed to you, even wrapped up in a faith bubble, that need to be buried. Maybe it's dysfunctional things. Maybe it's despair. Maybe it's a wrong view of how God actually sees us. Maybe it's a wrong view of how God sees the world or a wrong view of how we see others. Maybe it's a perspective that isn't really rooted in the holistic view of how God calls us to live. Whatever those things are, bury those things. Bury those things but don't bury your faith. Hold on to what actually matters and trust and have hope and faith and confidence that God is who he says he is. You know, at the very end of the journey for the Israelites, from Joseph's death to when his bones were buried in the promised land, when they crossed that Jordan River, think about this, I thought about this last night, one of the first things they did when they crossed the land of hope and promise was dig a grave. One of the first things they did when they went into the promised land was dig a grave. And the amazing thing is, is that years and years and years later, in this land of promise, there was another Joseph and there was a young girl named Mary who had to choose to pick up their part of the story 
of faith. They had a decision to make. Are we going to be people of faith? And by faith, they brought the Messiah into the world. And his name is Jesus. And the blessing that would come from this people is Jesus. The blessing that would bless all the nations and all the world was Jesus. And it was because so many people did their part of carrying the faith along the way in that journey. Jesus came. And by faith today as a church, that's what we're putting our hope in. For those hundreds of years that the Israelites had the casket of Joseph and had the bones of Joseph and it maybe didn't make sense to people. Today, the church, we have the empty tomb and that's what we're looking to. And we're looking to it because we know the words, he is not here, he has risen, rings loud in the ears of the church today. We believe in the empty grave. We believe in the hope that it stands for because it means that Jesus is coming again to rule, to reign, and to restore all things. And that's what the church believes. And it may take centuries more. It may take years and years and years, but I know I want to do my part and I want to hold fast to the faith and I want to believe what God says because I believe he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And that's what it means to leave a legacy to those that are coming behind you. You know, as we end this series today, we're going to do something a little bit different, but I'm going to invite the band out and as the band comes out, there's a song that I heard last week, and I thought, oh, this is, this is the song. This is the song to end the Life of Joseph series. And if Joseph was here today, he'd be singing this song about the faithfulness of God in his own life. He'd be singing this song, but as the church today, this is the song that we sing about the faithfulness of God. And I want us to sing this together as we leave, and as we leave this place today, that we'd be singing this song throughout the week. I wanna invite you to stand Uh, I want to have us teach you guys this song first. This is the chorus. Let's do this together. Here we go.
How many of you want that to be true of your story? As we leave this morning, I want us to leave with this verse from 2 Timothy. Paul says this about his life. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I've kept the faith. Whatever that means, whatever counseling you wanna work through with somebody, whatever kind of diving in and studying the history of the church and the way that God has been faithful, whatever you need to do to hold on to faith, to realize that God has been faithful through it all and that's where our hope lies. That's where our hope lies. And at the end of my life, that's what I wanna be holding on to. That's what I want us to be holding on to. Thank you guys for coming this morning. We hope you have a blessed week. And we hope to see you next week as we kick off a series. Thanks for being here.